Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, September 19th, 2005. Hi everyone, this is Michael Lozan, your host for Manager Tools, and again, welcome to today's podcast. Today, Mark Horseman and I talk about um, PowerPoint and presentations. This is a continuation of our previous discussion around management communications, and given the sheer number of presentations we all do on a regular basis, we thought it would be used to start talking uh, a little bit about presentations, and in this case, PowerPoint in particular. Uh, there's a lot that we didn't say, a lot that we need to say in the future, uh, and we will get that, you know, get to that over the next. Uh, month or so so don't despair we're just touching the tip of the iceberg here so with that let's get on with today's show all right mark where uh, where are you this week I am in Palm Springs, California. Palm Springs, that must be pretty nice. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, I mean, you asked me where am I this week, but yesterday I was with you in Washington, D.C. I can tell because I'm looking at your uh, nice yeah. uh, microphone sitting here on my desk. I was, I was hoping you wouldn't say anything about that. <laughs> so, we're back to, so we're back to the uh, USB microphone, and I can sound better than you for once. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm you always sound on this. better than me. Uh, luckily, <laughs> I have every once in a while I say something intelligent people want to listen yeah uh, occasionally <laughs> well okay but to be fair you, you're you're touting me because i'm in palm springs today and tomorrow for a client doing some uh, some training for a commodities trading company uh but my location today is not the big news where are you headed next week uh next week uh tomorrow morning as a matter of fact yes. i'm heading out to uh to london and then from london go to uh, palermo sicily I'm there a couple of days, then go to Rome for four days. So I'll be I'll be gone in primarily in Italy for the next week doing. Um, well, I was going to say vacation, but the IRS guys probably come after me later. So we're really um, really doing uh, market research. How's that? Yeah, for your Ital- yeah. Italian restaurant chain. Yeah, right? exactly. Looking at food and you know, making yeah. sure that what we're doing is authentic. You know, you know that kind it of makes thing. it makes it a little bit easier for you to justify it as market research when you actually own three Italian restaurants that are successful. <laughs> yeah, that helps. That helps. Yeah. I but, wouldn't yeah. be able to get away with that, I don't think. No, that's good. It's it's actually uh I think you know, but my my partners are actually from a um small village, I guess, in uh Italy just uh I guess it's south of Palermo called Shimina. Uh-huh. So we're actually gonna go there and um actually gonna take some pictures of the the town. They have a street called Umberto uh, I don't know, numero uno um, which is street number one, uh-huh. and I asked uh, I asked Sal, uh, "Where's where's street number two? He said, "Well, there's only one street, so <laughs> they, they didn't get much farther than street number one." That'll so, uh, yeah, so we're going to take uh, take some pictures, and uh, there's a, a church there that's the patron saint of for the patron saint of uh, call of the town called San Vito, which is where the name of our restaurants come from. That's so, great. That's so that's going to be great. We're looking. I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. And you and I are both typical type A people. We don't take as much vacations as we need. So hopefully you're not taking your laptop. Um, no, I've, I, I'm not, although I continually reconsider that decision. No. And 
I, I'm not going to. Pen and paper, pen and paper, pen and yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take some books and catch all up right, on some well, We can talk about Italy and Palm Springs all we want, but probably our listeners would love us to get to talk about leader tools, manager tools. Yeah, so let's um, – last, uh, last week we started our series on management communications, and we're not going to do this back to back to back, but I think this – this week, um, for various reasons, we want to talk a little bit more about um, management communications, particularly presentations. That's something yes. managers do quite a bit of. And uh, there's a, the right way and there's a wrong way. There's certainly ways of being effective. And I think we want to talk a little right. bit about that today. Yeah. And, you know, actually, I'm going to mention one more thing. I, I, I got on uh, – in my head, I had the thought that we wanted to keep this one a little bit shorter than normal because we don't want to send a message that we're going to try to talk about everything when it comes to presentations today. We want to we want to touch on a bunch of stuff related to PowerPoint only because when I say presentations, people think PowerPoint. So we're going to do what our audience naturally will draw to, which is, oh, okay, what can you help me with on, on PowerPoint? And we have some suggestions to make there. Um, but but really, the most important thing we can tell people about about power, about presentations, of course, is it's not about your slides. And I want to make one other point that I don't want to wait till the end of the presentation so that everybody knows, and that is that you're going to be in Italy next week, so there will not be a podcast next week. Right. Um, I think yeah. it's important for people to know that it, we we feel badly about that, and we don't we didn't know any way around it. But you're going to be gone for eight days, I think, and uh, we just couldn't figure out a way to get. Um, right. It's, it's possible time. we might be. I, I don't want to make any promises, but I do have somewhere in the back of my mind some intention that perhaps instead of getting one out on Monday, we can get one out on Tuesday, which we oh. might might be able to do. We so do if if, um, if we I'll don't have, get one out, yeah. and I hope people are not too disappointed, but we'll see, we'll see what we can do about getting one out. Okay. Maybe just a little bit later than we normally yeah, do. Yeah, just not on Monday because you'll be flying in on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Um, so again, when it comes to the presentations, we're, we're going to bow to our audience and we're going to say, look, we know you guys want to hear about PowerPoint. We're happy to talk about it. There's some basics that are critical and we're going to touch on just the basics today. Um, but there's going to be yet more we need to talk about on PowerPoint. And, and then later we're going to talk about how to present and, and, uh, I actually call it dancing school because there are some rules about where to stand and how to move your feet and how to move your upper body. Um, and we coach executives on how to do that. I get paid to do that. So we're going to, we're going to share that with our with our audience, with our listeners. Um, but at the same time, the most important thing you can hear about presentations is the thing that makes you so irritated about sitting through them is the focus on PowerPoint. And PowerPoint is not a presentation software, in my opinion. It is simply a data organizer. And presentations are made by people. Um, I'm often very hesitant to use PowerPoint when I'm presenting because I want my clients to be focused on me. I want to build a trusting relationship with them. I want them to be impressed by me. Uh, I don't want the expertise in the room to in, to uh, reside in the slides. And boy, you've walked into, I'm sure, plenty of meetings, Mike, uh, probably even more than I have over the course of your career. And it you can almost palpably feel the the draining of energy in the room when everybody knows there's a bunch, there's a big deck of slides and oh yeah we got a fifty slide deck we got to go through right yeah I, uh, yeah fifty I I've seen uh, I won't tell you what I've seen I've seen some pretty big decks though yeah I'll give you a funny story um, recently a client said uh, they were they were going in an offsite and uh, this particular manager's boss had uh, 80 slides for his half-hour presentation or 45-minute presentation. And I just rolled my eyes and 
He said, what's wrong with that? He says, well, he had a lot of points to cover. Uh, I said, well, okay. Um, thinking in the back of my mind, way too many slides. If, if I were a corporate manager today um, and I had a half-hour presentation, I wouldn't have any more than six or seven slides, and I might very well be able to get away with four. Yeah, 80 slides um, in half an hour reminds me of those uh, little decks of cards with the moving pictures that you kind of make your own little video out of. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be going pretty fast. <laughs> um and and uh, then he said, this person said, oh, but then the CEO came and presented, and he talked for about an hour, and he had three slides, and he was really good. And he never made the connection that his boss presented with 80 slides in 45 minutes, but really had a lot to cover. But the CEO was really good, and he only had three slides for an hour. Um, the CEO knew that it was him that they should be focused on and not his slides. So, yeah, Good point. Okay. okay. So having said that, let's just talk about some basic things that I see people make mistakes on on PowerPoint all the time. Um, first rule is, yeah, there are a lot of great templates in PowerPoint. I don't recommend using any of them. I think there ought to be a simple footer down at the bottom with uh, the date and the slide number and the company name or any project name or any of that kind of stuff. And that's it. Use black on white. Um, and very little color, if any. Uh, and the reason for that is if you print your slides, which you ought to be printing, you want to give people handouts. And if you're smart, you'll want to save money and for your organization. And so you'll print them two per page or three per page or maybe even six per page. Um, and I have a caveat to the six per page I'll share in just a minute. But, but if you're printing them and there's a lot of color, it's not going to print well. Um, and so use black on white. It's cheaper. It's faster, um, and quite frankly, that's the way the human eye sees. It wants to see black on white or ideally black on yellow, but please don't use yellow backgrounds for your slides. Um, as a general rule, I recommend one to three slides per 10 minutes of your presentation. So if you've got a 30-minute presentation, uh, the most slides you should probably have is 10. Now, I have a feeling, Mike, well, you tell me what you think. I have a feeling that the vast majority of our audience is going to go, no, 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 no. For a 30-minute presentation, I have 50 slides. And so I, I can't get there. I actually could go with one every 10 minutes and end up with just three for a half an hour. I'm giving them up to three as a recommendation because I know they can't get down to to, to 10 or whatever. Um, but what's been your experience? Do you, I mean, I know you, you alluded to it there, but do but, um, you think it's possible you can get down to – I mean, I do it, but do you think managers we can no, get down to three slides in thirty? Yeah, minutes? yeah. Three slides in thirty minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it's very rarely that I've seen yeah. three slides in thirty. I, one is it, it depends upon what you're trying to present. If you're if you're presenting a lot of information and you want people to walk away with, you know, some some takeaways, yep. then you end up having more of them. I think in in a lot of cases. The presentation itself outlives the meeting. They be, it becomes the method by which those meetings, the content of the meetings, are communicated across a broader yes. audience. So you find people putting a lot of detail in that. Right. I've, I've also found that some of these decks, to be quite honest, where they have eighty slides. Now that's frankly fairly rare. I, I think the guidelines that you outlined are probably, in, in my experience, are the norm. I think most people kind of determine over time that's a reasonable amount of slides to have. Where there are larger decks, 
that there's a lot of attachments and a lot of, a lot of material that could just as easily be left out, handed out in the form of you know uh, Excel material. spreadsheets or right. whatever. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having attachments at at the end. I'd certainly try to indicate those that are you know supporting material versus the direct right. the direct stuff. Uh, make that pretty clear. But yeah. um, so I, I think you know the guidelines you just outlined are work fairly well and in general is accepted across at least the community well, that I that I participated in. Yeah. Maybe it's just been my clients lately, but I, I see these huge decks people carrying around with on dollies. That's an overstatement. Um, it just drives me kind of crazy. And by the way, for, for those managers who are fairly new to the corporate world or to the business world, if you ever hear someone refer to a deck as a set of full, that's only because the French word foils means slides it's actually if you look at a set of transparencies that you can buy at office max the french word for transparency is foil um i know at ibm they have they use the word foil an awful lot um so if you're wondering what those are those are just slides um okay so uh less slides are better and that 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 tends to lead us into what we'll talk about in another podcast, which is the presentation is about you. And the subtext to that is you should be telling a story rather than presenting data. Um, just presenting data on a slide is largely ineffective. If you're going to present four or five numbers, you should circle one and put a note on it saying, this is what this number means. We're doing well here, or market share is declining. You should tell the people in the audience exactly what you want them to know not put up a slide with a bunch of numbers and then describe it to them. Um, the slide should add to what you're telling them rather than just be background. Um, and I love the way you describe telling a story because, in my experience, the best presenters do exactly that. Matter of fact, in, pre- in preparing for their presentation, that's where they spend the majority of their time is literally, like, what's the story I'm telling yeah. here? And I find that those who are not as effective in making presentations, that's not how they're thinking. That's not the paradigm they're right. coming from. It's, it's, they're just presenting a s- sets of yeah, data. In fact, I would argue, Mike, that what's happened is we've lost, in, in major corporations and most organizations now, we've lost the ability to teach people how to present, and managers don't because of PowerPoint. I'm not saying PowerPoint's a bad thing. I, I see it all the time. I use it all the time. It's just terribly misused. Um, but because PowerPoint exists, a lot of managers have come to learn, come to think that the solution to presentations is to present their deck, and the deck becomes what drives them. And you're absolutely right. I agree. The ones that do it really well think, okay, what do I want my audience to do? And then the second question they ask is, what story do I need to tell in order to get them to do that? And the next question they ask is, what data do I need to support my story? And how can I make that story as compelling as possible so that when I give them the call to action, as we say in the persuasive world, um, when we actually ask them to do something, they're in an emotional and a mental state to say yes. Um, And it starts with the story, and then it goes to, okay, how will I convince them, and then what data do I need? So. Yeah, in terms of telling a story, for um, I don't know if you were going to mention this or not, but you turned me on to a book, oh, many years ago, yeah. um, called uh, pyramid, yeah, the, pyramid, the, the, the Minto, Minto Pyramid, pyramid Principle, M-I-N-T-O. by Barbara Minto. Yes. Uh, phenomenal book. It's out of print, so it's sometimes difficult to find, although um, I think last time I bought it was at Amazon. I was able to get a number of copies for my folks, but um, I don't think we have time to right, go into the detail here, but that is well worth 
reading, and I, I think the the storytelling aspect. Now that she doesn't present it as storytelling, no, but but clearly that's when we say when we talk about storytelling, yes. she describes a, a very specific method for putting that story together that flows and makes a lot of sense, whether it be a presentation via PowerPoint or a writ- written communications in the form of a report. So well worth um, yeah. looking at. And hopefully if I remember here when I'm done, I'll, I'll put a link to oh, that on great. our show notes so in, people in fact, can, Mike, I will say look that at it. The Minto Pyramid Principle is the single best book I have ever read about written communication in the professional world. And yeah, we don't, well, we don't, could you say it more strongly? What's that? <laughs> could you say it more yeah, strongly? Yeah. Oh, it's, I really like it. <laughs> Gee, go out and get it. It's a good book. Uh, I will tell you that part of the reason we're not talking about everything when it comes to presentations today is because you and I both have seen a lot of them. We've done a lot of them. We have strong opinions about them. And really today, we're just telling some people some things that we know. Remember, our whole point of this is let's give them stuff they can do. We know that some of the stuff we're going to talk about today about PowerPoint, which is very granular, very detailed, they can go apply today. Even if they don't tell a story next week in their presentation or or if they still have too big a deck, they're still going to be able to use some of this stuff we're going to recommend today. But we're going to start making a case for more Mento-like presentations. And also, there's another book I'm sure I've recommended to you by Jay Conjure, actually a friend of mine. And the book is called um, uh, Winning Him Over. And it's his book about uh, um, presentations. And we're going to cull key points from that. And in addition to telling a story, one of the things Jay says is um, that you also have to know your audience. And what really good presenters do is they not only come up with a story, but then they ask themselves, okay, the key people in the audience, without fawning over them, what are their drivers and what data do I need to have to support their decision to agree with me on X, Y, or Z? And it it comes down to literally analyzing the points of your view, analyzing your audience, their strengths and weaknesses, and then matching the two together in order to come up with what you actually say in the presentation. And then once you know what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, then the slides fall out very easily. We don't want to try to bite off too much in one podcast, so we just thought we'd start today with these are tactical things you can do immediately when you're still doing 100 slide decks in PowerPoint. I know that's an overstatement. Um, And you can be more effective immediately, and then we'll gradually roll out those Demento comments in Jay Conjure's book about winning them over. Okay? Yeah. All right. Um, so we've got basic black on white. Um, no more than three fonts per presentation. I'm not, I'm not including logos or brand names in there, but no more than three fonts. Um, and actually, there there's a specific way of thinking about fonts that I'm just going to spend a minute on. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. There are two types of fonts in the world, Mike. There are serif fonts, that's S-E-R-I-F, and sans serif. If you assume for a moment that serif means foot, then sans serif means no foot. And if you'll look at fonts, if anybody will take a moment to look at fonts, you'll see that some fonts at the very bottom, actually they're not fonts, they're typefaces, some typefaces down at the bottom have little feet on them. They, they're, the bottom of the, the letter expands and it gets flat at the bottom. Um, an example of that would be Times New Roman. On the other hand, some fonts like Arial or Verdana um, don't have feet. Those are sans serif fonts. Um, you, if you'll look at newspapers, you'll find, and newspapers are intended to be read, you'll find that newspapers use sans serif fonts for headlines and serif fonts, in other words, ones with feet, for um, the text. 
I've had arguments back and forth with people who teach presentation skills. I actually only use sans serif fonts. In other words, no feet at all, because I think even the bullets in a presentation are a little bit like headlines. Some of my contemporaries say, nope, I use sans serif for headers, for the big headers at the top, and I use um, the footy ones, serif fonts, for the, the, the bullets, the key bullets of a presentation. Um, but regardless, both the header and the body should be one, only one or two different fonts. You don't need more than three fonts throughout a presentation. And I'm not talking about whether or not something's italicized or bold. Um, and generally speaking, by the way, it is much harder for human beings to read bold than, than non-bold. Even if you think bold looks better, the font was intended to be presented in a non-bold way. If you like the bold, then people will really pay attention to those words that you bold if you leave the rest unbolded. And I'm sure unbolded is not a word. Don't give me a hard time, Ozan. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Uh, secondly, no more than six bullets to any one slide. And Tom Peters will tell you, no more than one bullet per slide. And, and if you've seen Tom Peters present, you know what a great presenter he is, very energetic, but and he, he seems like he's all over the place, but the fact is he's got a very rigorous thought process behind his presentations. Um, and I just put six because if you only put two or three up there, people would say, gee, you don't, you know, you're going to need 100 slides to make your points. What this does, though, is it really it, it encourages intelligent thinking about the key points you're going to make. You made a point about you know, data dumps, that people are just putting together data in their slides. And I think most people, the meetings that last two hours, you know, their butt has gone to sleep after an hour. Their brain is shortly following thereafter. More data is not going to help you. Quite frankly, the story is what's going to compel people anyway. People do things because of how they feel, not because of the amount of data. They expect you to have looked at the data and have drawn a conclusion and then make that compelling to them. And they'll expect you to be able to talk to the data. Heck, you should have it memorized. But you don't want to give them 12, 13, 14 bullets on the slide. The beauty of having no more than six bullets is that allows you to follow the next rule regarding PowerPoint and slides is uh, the typeface or the size of um, font should be no smaller than 24-point type per bullet. And no bullet should be more than two lines long. And really, if I had to, if I follow my sword, I'd say only one line per bullet. If it wraps over, change the wording, something. Um, people have real trouble reading something that feels like a headline to them if it wraps over to a second line. It's very hard for human beings to do that. Um, and okay. in addition. Um, you got to be very careful about putting paragraphs together. If you have a paragraph uh, on a slide, uh, it's very dangerous. The only time I ever do it is if it's the only thing on the page and I'm quoting an external source which said something so compellingly that I wanted to put it up there and I actually cite the source, Wall Street Journal or Forbes or Fortune or whatever the case might be. Okay. Um, now, here is my pet peeve. Mike, when you see presentations happening, let's say you've got somebody up there and there's 20 slides in their deck or whatever. Um, if you had to pick the one thing that presenters do that is most irritating from a presentation perspective, it doesn't really have anything to do with the slides. What do they do? How do they interact with their slides that's irritating? 
for me, when when they read the bullets word you for know, word, it's great being your drives me nuts. How you're going to answer my questions? You didn't know I was going to ask that question, and I just no, I, I just knew you. Now, if people haven't figured out these aren't these aren't conversations aren't terribly well scripted. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not so sure no. they're not terribly well scripted. I don't. I kind of like the uh, informality of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know like, what? My biggest yeah. pet peeve is people reading the slides. And I'll tell you a very brief story. Um, well, no, I'll, I'll save the story for just a minute. Um, um, yeah, please don't read your slides. Guess what, folks? Everybody in the room, they can read. When you read to them, you're insulting them. People who are insulted, who feel like you look upon them with contempt, that's the motivator behind insults is contempt. Um People who feel you feel contempt for them are unlikely to agree with your point of view or your position. Do not read your slides. It's entirely possible that you could say 20 or 30 words while a slide is behind you with five bullets on it, and you will never read any or look at any of those five slides. Well, again, we're, we're talking about mechanics now, but yes. if... As soon as you see a slide that has a paragraph written on it, you can almost guarantee that the person one is going to read yes. it word for word. So that's that's the first that's the first warning that goes off in my head. Uh, the second warning is that the the point's probably not well thought through. So if if you can't take what you're trying to describe and you, in a single slide and summarize it down to six short concise bullets, then you haven't thought through your subject material. It detailed right. enough. You really haven't thought through it enough. You don't understand it. That's what it says. Yes. Saying. Good. Okay. Um, next thing about slides. And you know what? I can feel both you and I wanting to say, oh, let's tell stories about the bad things we've seen as examples. And, of course, so often what we what we saw was, was behavior on the part of the manager. We've got to keep focused on PowerPoint. We Both you and I agree PowerPoint's nice, but it's not the end-all and be-all. And yet... Since we know we're not going to make it go away, or we're not going to snap our fingers and make everybody better at it, we thought we'd share some key things they can do right away. The next thing is, PowerPoint has about 100 tools that you should never use. There should never be animation in your slides, ever. Nothing should fly in from the left or right. There should be no transition for your slides. Um, you don't know what what laptop in some cases is going to be used to to present it. You don't know what computer. You don't know what kind of bandwidth is going to be used on the on the in the network when you're doing your presentation and it's on a server somewhere coming to this particular liquid this LCD projector. Um, you never know when the moment you want something dramatic to happen, it's suddenly going to slow down to a crawl, and you're going to have what amounts to the equivalent of dead radio dead air. Um, don't use uh, anything related to animation. Good gosh, don't use sounds. The worst case scenario I have of that is I was in a lunch one time in Orlando. This has been 10 years ago. And a person was giving us a lunch presentation. Now, look, if you're presenting while people are eating, you better not have any more than three slides, and you better have some great stories to make people laugh, to look up, at their, look up from their food and actually pay attention to you for a moment. This person, fairly new person in this large organization, actually had every individual letter fly in from the top right corner of the screen and when it hit the spot where it was supposed to go, not words, but individual letters, uh, the the the, uh, 
the presentation made a typewriter sound. Uh, the, the clack I was, I was just cringing back here going, he's not talking about the typewriter yeah. click effect. Yeah, is he? that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, well, that had to be painful. Now, we've got 80 people in a room that's probably meant for 60. We're eating. It's loud. Uh, it's humid. It's August, of course. That's when Orlando books a lot of its conventions. Um, and, and you can just tell people want to be in the room but don't want to be there with PowerPoint. And I know a bunch of people who left early because it was just so awful. And she would wait. It did it on every single slide? Yeah, did this? every single one. And she would wait oh. for the word to come in, and then she would say the word, and then there would be a 10-letter word after that, and it would go tick, 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 and then she would say the next oh. word. I mean, it was nails oh. on a chalkboard bad. I would yeah. have walked out. I mean, honestly, I, I, I find myself being, yeah. and I try not to be well, rude. We're becoming cranky, just had, aren't we? <laughs> I would have had to leave. I really would have. <laughs> so, no animation, no sounds. Every slide, you click on it, the next slide should appear automatically. It, the closest thing I'll recommend to animation is if you want to gray out your points um, as you make them fine. But what that means is you better be very well rehearsed to know exactly how many clicks uh, given slides have. The great thing about having everything on your slide pop up at the same time is people learn and process information differently and at different speeds that you do, than you do. And two, you don't have to worry about how many clicks and you certainly don't have to go back. It allows you to focus on the, the look on the faces of your audience so you can determine whether or not they've got your point. Look, if I have six things I want to say and the first two points they all immediately get in five seconds, I don't need to spend 10 minutes on the first two points. I'm done with them. I'm going to move on to point three. But the more you do with slides, the more animation, the more sound, the more graying out, the more pop-ups, the more appearing of charts and graphs or, or things that fade in and out, stuff you have to pay attention to the slides for or that it's affected by the speed and effectiveness and the bandwidth of your technology. It takes you away from what you should be doing, which is focusing on the response of your audience and changing your behavior to get the audience to do what you want them to do. Which is usually to see. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to, during a presentation, you don't want to be focused, you know, 80% of your attention going and focused on the mechanics of the pre right. presentation. You really want to be focused on what you're saying, what your message right. is. Yeah, you should be able to boil it down, and there should be, you know, in most cases, it, it, it boils down to, I want them to approve X, my, my plan or my budget or whatever. And that means they have to say yes, and you have to put them in an emotional frame of mind to do that. Um, and that's not going to come from the charts. Or from the from the slides. Um, another thing too, most people don't realize this. You and I have talked about this before in terms of presenting information. Um, we've read some, uh, you know, Tufty's books about presenting information uh, in in effective ways. Avoid three dimensional charts. Those bar graphs that PowerPoint, that Excel and, and PowerPoint can do that are three dimensional bars and different colors and everything else. Um, Three-dimensional charts often are misleading because of volume issues, and we won't go into all the detail. But simply straightforward two-dimensional charts and graphs are the best way to go. Definitely recommend paying attention to whether you needed bar graph or uh, uh, or a pie chart, those kind of things, and you can find all kinds of references out on the web. We'll talk more about that some of the time. But stay away from three-dimensional just because you think it looks pretty. Um, I talk to too many managers, Mike. If I had to pick one of the top, I put frustration over the amount of time spent wordsmithing and visually uh, rearranging slides 
um, as one of the top 10 irritants of major corporate managers that I work. Another thing I recommend is have someone else review your slides and ideally not somebody who reports to you. Uh, what I've done is when I have a peer, I go to my peer and say, look, come to my desk, sit at my desk for 30 minutes and go through the slides. And I'll tell you why. It's because spell check works, but it doesn't catch words that aren't there. And it doesn't catch words that are spelled wrong, but actually have become another word. And I don't know about you, Mike. I, I'm sure it's happened to you at least once. You look at a slide that you've had for years and you suddenly realize there's a word missing there. Everybody, everybody puts it in for you because they know you just left it out but people won't give you feedback and tell you there's a word missing usually um, and you can't see it because you're so used to reading when you're proofreading your own slides um, you're reading what your brain intended to say rather than what's actually on the page yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, another thing you do when it comes to proofreading is if you really have to proofread it yourself um, proofread it backwards a word at a time that's a helpful way to look at things. That's what professional proofreaders do. They don't read in the order of the words. They read it backwards. Um, and, and as I mentioned, have your, you know, if you and I were coworkers, I'd have you come sit at my desk to read it. That reduces the chances you're going to be interrupted. The people who are coming to my desk want to talk to me, so I'll stand there and talk to them. If you're at your desk, you're going to be interrupted. And I know when you're done, you're going to leave, and that way I can have my presentation back. If I give it to you, I don't know when I'm going to get it back, even if we're buddies. So uh, I, I don't recommend another thing I I've alluded to. Hopefully everybody's figured it out. I do I never recommend putting spreadsheets in a presentation. In fact, it really really worries me. You know the point about twenty four point type. If you if you import a spreadsheet, unless you take just four or eight or twelve or sixteen cells and make them big, um, you're going to have what amounts to two or four point type up on the up on the page. And there's no amount of highlighting you can do or circling of numbers that are the equivalent of two or four point type that's going to help people see the value of the spreadsheet. Now, if you put up a spreadsheet and you highlight a column and you highlight another column and then you put an, a call out box which says the number for ROI this quarter is 11% without them having to actually read the number in the cell, that's fine. And I'm not suggesting that you wouldn't have spreadsheets and, and presentations linked to one another in that if you're doing a presentation, you, you, you're working on a spreadsheet and the spreadsheet's linked and so the, the PowerPoint dynamically updates, but that may be a slide that you don't actually use in the presentation, but it's one of the ones that's printed out as part of the appendix, as part of the data afterwards, if somebody wants to go and look at more detail. But it's not one you would project in front of the audience. Yeah, and, and I know these, and I hope everybody understands these are all general rules, and there might be circumstances oh, of course, yeah. where you'll violate something I said, particularly, you know, for example, on spreadsheets, I used to work for C, for the uh, CFO of my past big company, and uh, we certainly had spreadsheets and presentations. You couldn't get away from it. I will tell you, um, though, that there is another disadvantage, other than being not being able to read them. The other huge disadvantage of spreadsheets yeah. is once you start throwing a bunch of numbers up there, you just really don't know where the conversation yes. is going to go. There is so much data that you lose. You have the potential of losing a lot of control over the meeting. So you you want the meeting to run longer. You want to have it veer off in all sorts of different uh, directions. Just just put a spreadsheet up there, throw a bunch of numbers in front of people, and and see where it goes. It's it can be very disconcerting. Yeah. So. Um, in general, I think that goes more broadly. I avoid detailed reports, um, you know, on screen. I'll hand it out, um, but a ledger report, a more detailed report, um, 
I'll avoid putting up on the screen if at all possible. Um, also, there's one other thing um, that people don't recognize. PowerPoint has a unique tendency to make everything it does into what we call title case, which is every first letter of a word capitalized. The titles of your slide should be title case, but the bullets don't have to be. Human beings are not, the way we invented writing and typefaces hundreds, thousands of years ago, it's harder to read title case than it is sentence case. And all caps is almost impossible for human beings to read for long periods of time. So avoid title case, use sentence case, except for the titles. Um, and I, I alluded to this before, I'm going to say it again. You should give out handouts. Your handouts don't need to be exact replicas of the slides. Um, one person told me once, well, the reason I give them the whole slide mark, I, I print out not handouts but actual slides, um, is because it, it, the slides have a lot of white space and they can write notes on it. And then I showed them one of my handouts with two slides per page. And, of course, there's all kinds of white space around those slides. Um, the only reason I don't recommend six slides per page is that there are a lot of people who don't follow my guidance about 24-point type being the smallest type you should use. And if you print six slides per page, or even for that matter, three slides per page because of the way they're printed in PowerPoint, they're almost too small to read. And look, if you're giving somebody a copy of a presentation that they're going to take back to their desk and it is too small to read, look, let's save a tree. Let's just be intelligent about it. Let's not believe that there's some rule that everybody gets a handout. If they knew that the rule was going to be applied, well, but the handout's not legible, they would probably say, gee, no, let, let's not do that then. Um, and, and I have one final point, and we're probably running out of time. Um, we're going to touch upon this more. This can be a competitive, a competitive advantage for managers. The state of management presentation in America today is dismal. People have accepted the lowest common denominator of reading slides, of being unprepared, of not telling a story, of not knowing your audience and not knowing what you want your audience to do to the point where you're just a talking head and people would just as soon get an email deck to them and leave it at that and stay out of that stultifying room for two or three or four hours while some, as you alluded to, an Excel wrangler is going to sharpshoot two or three of the data points or the underlying uh, formulas that you use to come up with your ROI calculation or your investment calculation or whatever the case might be. Um, I encourage our, our audience to work on their presentation skills as an essential. I think it's one of the 10 or 15 most important things a manager does. At least in terms of time, you're either, you're either sitting in listening to them or you're presenting. Um, and I would encourage you to find a buddy and offer to work with them and encourage, you know, sort of egg each other on in terms of, hey, when you, when I go to a presentation that you're making, I'm going to give you some feedback about how it went. Or if you want, I'll be in the audience and I'll tell you what I think the audience thought so you can learn from that because you're going to be so busy interacting with your slides that you're not paying enough attention to your audience. Partnering with somebody um, to get better, I think, is one thing you can do. You don't have to go to a lot of courses, although I'm not against a lot of the courses. I think this is a way that you could quickly become noticeably better and make a difference. And nothing wrong with your boss patting you on the back and say, hey, that was really good, man. Have you been working on your own? And the answer is, yeah. And maybe we'll really be lucky and they'll say something like, yeah, I listened to this great podcast. Well, good. I think we want to keep this one uh, short, although we it's not going to be all that short, I don't think. The um, I, I must say, though, um, 
we could talk for another five hours on this topic, and I feel a little bit like we're there's just so much more to share with folks. I don't want people to even think that we've really even touched on a lot of important stuff, and I think we want to focus more just on mechanics this time. You know, I, I think one of the things that happened when I was with you last week is we realized, you know, th- there are 200 to 500 podcasts like this. I mean, we, you know, when you break down management learning in terms of how much time does it take, well, if you figure a podcast is a half hour long, well, I think there's 200 hours worth of pot. You know, that's 400 podcasts. Um, I, I've got two to 500 topics off the top of my head. I was working on the flight on the way in here. Um, so, yeah, we, we've covered a really, I went really high level. I think we'll probably in the future plan on going back and really digging down into more depth on this and, and so on. Yeah, I, you know, we could have a podcast, an entire podcast, simply on how to create the bullets, like, on a single page. Yeah. Uh, and there's an art to it, and, you know, everybody listening, should, if you haven't read the Mento Pyramid Principle, we'll have a link on the show notes. Um, do yourself a favor and go find a copy. It's not an inexpensive book, by the way, but um, go find a copy. We'll, we'll talk a little bit it's about it. it. Those who can't, who can't afford or can't get a hold of one, then we'll uh, we'll put something together to share the right. the the best things in it. But um, there's a lot that can be said just about figuring out how to put the bullets together on a single slide. So, but we won't be doing that today. Uh, One more thing. I I think we wanted to share that um, I'm going to be interviewed um, next week, I think, while you're gone. I'm going to be interviewed on the Cranky Middle Manager show. I don't know when he's going to put out his podcast, but the interview will take place next Friday. And uh, we've noticed that we've been getting a good deal more downloads and hits on the site, and um, um, we're excited about that, and we encourage our listeners to mention us to friends. If If you believe this show is valuable to you, and over and over again, we, the comments we get is that it's useful information. If you're getting value, utility out of the show, uh, and you're not sharing it with other people, uh, you're being selfish. So please share it with other folks, and uh, uh, we hope to, to grow our audience simply because the more people we touch and the more people we make better managers, Mike and I's lives are made better. So please do that for us. Absolutely. And as always, send us an email, show at manager-tools.com, and tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you think. Uh, give us topics or give us ideas uh, or tell us you've referred us to your friends. We appreciate that. All right. Well said. Great. All right, my friend. Thanks, um, we're going to get going here. And I'm going to go um, take my son to his football game. And you're going to go to Italy, too. We look forward to hearing how great it is. Yeah, I should probably uh, pack sometime before 430 when we, when we leave in the morning. All righty. All right, thanks, my friend. Buddy. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this edition of Manager Tools. And uh, hope to see you again uh, next week or the following week, depending upon how my business travels affect my ability to do a podcast next week. In any case, send us feedback at show at manager-tools.com or go ahead to our website and leave us feedback there. Of course, the website is www.manager-tools.com. And uh, we'll see you all again uh, in the next week or two.